This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Our theme for this year, maybe you can just throw it on these, to make or to become obedient disciples that are rooted in Christ. It's a, it's a long theme. Okay, last year we just said, let's stand. This year we're saying we are embarking on a journey where we don't go to church, but we are the church. And uh, that means we, God has called us to, to become and to make disciples, uh, but that are obedient, not just uh, people with the orange flag that runs up and down and say, hey, church, church, because this is not church. This is just celebration of church, of what has happened in the week. Amen. Okay, thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on what we started. One of the scriptures that um, is very important is Isaiah 55, and we started last week, so I'm going to just read that again. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sias. I'm a pastor here. Uh, and one of, one of the things, I think one of the biggest challenges for us in the West is we want to be biblical Christians, but we have this cultural way in which we grow up. And uh, which is, especially the culture of the West, is not biblical, it's very individualistic, it's very consumer-orientated. And, and it's amazing in the small things of your life how you actually get caught in the culture. Okay, so I've got a cookie jar here, and I'm going to talk about this cookie jar a little bit later. But um, this week, when was it last week, Monday, when, all the, when we went to, I went to Newlands, for a cricket test and so three of the pastors here from different churches and some of our youth coaches Marlon and Jürgens went with and um, and so there was when we walked into the cricket stadium it was actually just a lot of English people there was no South Africans there so it just felt like we in London somewhere um, and so the cricket was very boring but as we walked in there was this stall you know and it was um, uh, a deodorant stall that gave away free underarm deodorant rolls, you know, Mitchum, okay, I'm not promoting, I'm not, not getting any commission, okay, so, so when we walked in, I got like one, and I thought like, wow, these things are like quite expensive, you know, it's 30 bucks, you know, so I don't, 25 or 30 bucks, it's for free, so each one of us got one of these, and later on, I decided to go to the toilet, and I, I don't know, is there anybody here that love freebies, just raise your hand very high, okay? You need, you need to start repenting right now because this sermon is just for you, okay? Is there anybody that loves a sale? Okay, all the ladies put up your hands quickly. That loves a sale, okay? You already qualify, okay? You don't, you don't need, just be honest, okay? Uh, they, call it, they call it retail therapy, okay? They, that's what they say these days for shopping, okay? Retail therapy. But um, there's, there's something in all of us that want a bargain or we want a sale. So here I'm going... Um, and these, in the back of my head, the cricket is boring. And I decide I'm going to just walk around the stadium a little bit. But I have to walk around the Mitchum stall again, you know. So as I go there, there's this, the people are still there. And I thought, oh, you know, what a favorable day. Can, can I get another one? Yeah, yeah. And the guy standing with two, I said, can I get two? You know, two. And so here we go again. So now I've got three. And I'm thinking like, wow, freebie, you know. And, and, and so later on during the day, the cricket gets more boring. And eventually... Um, I go to the toilet again, but I'm walking around the stadium, and I end up with about eight Mitchums at the end of the day, okay? 
And um, I've gathered for the whole year, okay? So I'm not going to smell this whole year. But, um, and afterwards I thought like there's, there's some stuff that we grow up with and that, that's sort of inherent in the way we grow up. And then I realized like when we are used to grow up on a farm and we had, my dad had to work very hard when we were small. So we were very, very poor, worked very hard. And once, I think every two months, we would go to the spur. Now, there was, uh, Somerset Moor wasn't around. It was only like Tiger Valley. So it was a massive thing to go to Cape Town. And now these little, little chokrikis, we all would go to Cape Town. And this was like it, you know. If you could hold out or keep out the whole day with mom in the shopping mall, then the afternoon there's a movie and there's a spur, you know. My dad would normally go with and he would sit in front of the TV and watch all the highlights of the sport and the, the kids would go with mom. But at the end then we would go to the spur and there was this big bowl with these endearments. Do you re remember that, you know. And so when my dad would go to pay the bill at the end, that was our sort of moment when the kids said, Run for your life, run, because we knew what was going to happen. Dad is going to take the whole bowl of endearments and take 40 of them and put it in his bag, and he would empty that whole bag of endearments. But, but the idea is that you only take one or two, you know? Are, are you with me, you know? So we would run to the toilet, we would run to the car, we would just know this is the most embarrassing moment ever, you know? So, so why am I telling this story? Because... The Mitchum and the endearments are connected. It's almost inherently into the LaRue clan that when there's a freebie, you make sure you capitalize and you get for the next year. You know? So yeah, I get home and I decide, okay, I'm going to break this cycle. I'm going to give all the Mitchums away except one. Okay, so I gave most of them away. But so what am I talking about? I'm talking about inherently... Our culture is a culture of comfort. Our culture is a consumerism one. So now we come and we read the Bible and we endure on being these Christians or these disciples. But we don't know that sometimes we read through the glasses of our own culture or our own background. And especially because we want to get, you know, there's a cookie jar and so the first thing is, is it's just about me. I, I, want, I want to grab as many of these cookies. I don't know if you've ever seen the kids coming to a cookie jar, and then they can't take one at a time. How many grandparents here? You can relate, eh? We're going to get as many out of this cookie jar for myself, and then you're going to get it as quickly to your mouth as possible before grandma sees or granddad sees how many you can get into your mouth at the same time. Because we... We inherently, our nature is to just get stuff for ourselves. And so in Isaiah chapter 55, here was a group of Israelites, the Jews, that were enslaved to a system. And I spoke about it last week. I'm not going to repeat all of it. But from Isaiah chapter 40 till Isaiah chapter 55 is an invitation, God's invitation for a group of people that were enslaved in Babylon but they started to prosper in Babylon, and they forgot about God. They started to get a lot of finances. They started to really be blessed, but they didn't realize that they were actually enslaved in a system. And so God invites them 
to come out of that place of comfort back to Jerusalem. The only problem is Jerusalem is in ruins. He calls them back to their home country, but it's not looking good in their home country. It's much more comfortable where they are. And so I made a radical statement last week. I think it's radical. And I said, God is not interested in our comfort. As a Christian, primarily God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in you knowing him. And so out of this context, God gives this invitation through the prophet Isaiah. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Without money, without price. He says, you must come and buy, but not on your terms and not with your money. It cannot buy what I want to give to you. Because everything in our culture wants to exchange. If I become a good Christian, then God is going to love me more. And God says, hey, you can't earn the things of God. Have you noticed that? <laughs> but we grow up in school like, hey, sure. The more, the more we perform, the more rewards I get. Hello? That's, that's a part of our culture. So, and so God says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. It says, eat here and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I've given him as a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God. And the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He says, hey, the, you must realize that you're actually, you're being so blessed in this Babylonian system out there, but that will never fulfill you. And, and we're seeing something in the church, especially in the church in the West. A lot of people are sort of getting frustrated and they're realizing that there must be more. There must be more than just going through life, just the same ordinary, just over and over. And I'm not saying, hey, don't go to work tomorrow morning. We're going to work. <laughs> you know, that's part of life. And we're going to need to tend to our families. That's part of life. But the question is, in your heart, what fulfills you? And that's what the Lord says is, is be careful. Call upon him while he may be found. Let there be a hunger and a heart's cry. Seek the Lord. Seek Him. Because we're going to talk about that. The first thing that we lose is our ability to surrender and our hunger for God when we fall into comfort. And that's my question is, how hungry are we for God? Are you more hungry now than what you were five years ago? Than what you were three years ago? Or are you, are you and I just maintaining our status quo and just going, going through life? I watched the... Um, the, the podcast of Reinhard Bonker, the last one before he died, the day before he died. He was 80 years old, one of the heroes of faith. And, and he was just passionately crying out for souls. He was just, I realized like, wow, the first time when I was still a Chokaki, when I heard one of his sermons, I thought like, wow, this guy's passionate for Jesus. He's like a passionate for what God has called him, you know, plunder hell and populate heaven, you know. And then I realized like, wow, he's 80 years old and he's still as passionate. 
Because there's something inside of us that says, no, no, no I'm going to lose my passion. I'm going to just, just get a more balanced life. But I'm, I'm not talking about doing less or more today. I'm talking about that hunger in our hearts. And this is what God is saying to the people of Israel. He says, you're being blessed, but the problem is you're forgetting about me. Because there will be a time when that blessing will become such an idol that you're completely going to forget about me. And then I can't be found anymore. So seek me while I'm reaching out to you. And that's the story of the prophets in the Old Testament. He's saying, hey, turn back to God. Repent. Come back to God. Come back to your first love. <laughs> Thank you for your enthusiasm today. So let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for you will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it for. So we spoke about this. The first thing is to surrender, to absolutely abandon yourself, to give yourself completely. The Bible talks about having a circumcised heart. Lord, I want to worship you and you alone. I'm here to make you glorious, to let your kingdom come. Not, Lord, come and bless my kingdom. Or, Lord, when I get prospered, then I will serve you. The Lord says, no, while, you, while he may be found. <laughs> while he may be found. I remember just in this consumer culture. How many of you ever gone to like a, a shopping mall when it's Black Friday? Huh? D don't go. Don't go. It's not good for your health. You may lose part of your Christianity or your well-being there, you know. I remember standing there and we were going to shop. I think it was three years ago. I made a vow. I'm not going to go on Black Friday to the, to the shopping mall again. Because here yeah, now the the trolleys was like right till the end. So the, the tools were in front, but the trolleys were right till the back. And people were anxious. People were tense. This is, this is like worship, you know. <laughs> people were going for it. We, we're going to get the sale, you know. And we're going to buy with the money that we save, okay. So if it's 100 bucks and now it's down to 50 bucks, we're going to buy that thing that we actually don't want because... Hey, we're saving 50 bucks, so let's buy this thing with the 50 bucks that we are saving. Are, are you okay? It's just a lot, lot of logic. And so here we're standing with the, with the tills, and there's a lot of people. And now, now it's amazing, the conversations. And, and so then some of the ladies come there, and some of the guys, and say, like, hey, you, you missed the toilet paper. There's a lot of toilet paper on sale. They're at the back. And so then two leave their trolleys to run to go and get the sale of the toilet paper. And while these two leave their trolleys to go and get the toilet paper, Others come and grab what was in their trolleys and they put it into their trolleys. <laughs> because, hey, the Lord has provided, you see, you know. <laughs> Just grab what is somewhere else. And I stood there. I could not believe what I was seeing, you know. That the moment when somebody left their trolley. So some people were guarding their trolleys. Some people were, like, threatening others with it. And I'm thinking, like, this is crazy, you know. And then it, but, but it, it, I just saw a lot of people were very anxious and felt very unfulfilled, you know. I read an article this holiday of how many billions of dollars people spend on self-storage to store up the stuff that they never use for in case they're going to use it. 
But now, is there any... No, no, don't raise your hand now. And especially, husbands, don't look to your wife, and wife, don't look to your husbands. If one of the two of you qualify of that, or if there's a father or a mother. Any hoarders, opgarders in the house? No, no. Oh, Wamiani, thank you. That you no, no. <laughs> but some people are staring at each other, you know. There's, like, we're going to use this, you know. Ten years later, maybe we're going to use this. Don't throw this away, you know. We can use this, you know, but... But it's, it's amazing, in, inherently in ourself, there's a, a selfishness. There's a, there's, a, there's a thing that says, and it's the comfort, it's not so much about the comfort, it's about the security that the comfort brings. And so this is what God is challenging, and He says, if we want to make disciples, if we want to live in this space where we open up our hearts to others, then what is going to happen is, we're going to need to change the way that we live. I said it to the leaders yesterday. We had a, a, a leaders gathering. And, you know, it was, it was so nice when my, my boy, now I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to say too much, but I've got a teenage girl and the one is leaving um, high school now to go to university. She got 94.3%. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But um, the second daughter, it was her... It was like her birthday, and so there were a lot of girlfriends there. So at a stage, my boy that's still in, in primary school just decided, this is enough. Too many females in the house. Too much noise. So, so he picked up the phone. He says, Dad, can I use your phone? I said, okay, you can use it. And he phoned Yopi. He says, Yopi, too many ladies in the house. Can I come and sleep at your house, you know? That's not a youth pastor, you know? So... So, whoops, there he goes. He doesn't even talk to us. He just goes to Yopi, you know, because we know Yopi very well and we trust Yopi. And so, so I realized, like, well, this is so amazing, actually, when your kids can phone other people in church and say, hey, we're family. Because then some stuff starts to happen is we're not just living our individualistic life, but as a tribe, we begin to be accountable to each other. As a community, we begin to speak into each other's lives. And you know, that is so difficult because we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to live open lives because of insecurity. And many times because of hurt of our past. We, we want to be portraying this image that we are great. Come on, be honest. We, we, we want to show people that, hey, we are worth something. We've achieved something, you know. And it was so funny. I'm, I'm making a joke about it. But the one day we had this big celebration in the house and the grandparents came because of our daughter's achievement. And the next day she bumped the car, you know. So it was from high to very low, you know. In one day, 24 hours. It's amazing, you know, how... How we can get emotional, and then it's like, you know, and then she reversed into the thing, and it's like thousands of rands of stuff, and now, but you know, things will never satisfy us. It was so amazing to walk into that situation and say to you know what, these, we're not going to be thrown when you bump the car, because that does not determine our identity and our fulfillment. Just don't do it again. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it becomes an expensive identity um, encounter. But in any case, so uh, this is that story is just between the two of us. Okay, don't tell anybody else, okay? So <clears throat> so we in, in Second Timothy, it talks about this culture. And so we, we, before we talk about discipleship, we have to talk about culture. 
We have to be counterculture. And I'm saying there's some good stuff in our culture that we must hold on to, but there's a lot of negative stuff, especially in the West and in the church in the West. So in 2 Timothy, Paul writes this. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. It's amazing. It doesn't mention murderers or thieves or robbers or many of the Ten Commandments stuff. He says, in the last day, there will be a condition of people's hearts. And it will start with people loving themselves so much. And one of the reasons why we have this culture is because of insecurity, because of hurt. Because we're afraid that maybe if we come close to somebody, they're going to see what's really happening in our hearts. Do you know that somebody gave this definition for intimacy? Into me you see. And so a lot of people, even if we use the word intimacy, we struggle so much because we're afraid. We're afraid to come close to God that maybe God is going to reject us again. Maybe God is not going to be a good father. Maybe he's going to say bad stuff. Maybe he's going to turn his face away. But isn't it amazing that the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so in our approach to God, we, we need to make sure that not just our country's culture or a South African culture where there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. We grow up very traumatized because of crime, because of insecurities. Now we come to church. And you know what the first thing is so easy is we just do events again. How's it, brother? Oh, amazing. Blessed. Beyond blessed abundantly blessed yeah then we have these terms yeah and you think like well you just bumped your car lost your job this week but you're blessed no it's actually going bad with you but just say it like that and it's all right that's why we're here <laughs> you know but 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 we want to say we we, we, we want to pretend and that's why the word for pretend is actually hypocrite is an actor and those were the only people God resisted. There were only two groups of people God resisted in the Bible was the proud and the hypocrites, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The tax collectors, God loved the sinners. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves homosexual people. Jesus loves adulterers. He's not going to leave them like that, but he loves people. And he's not intimidated by your sin and by my sin. That's why he died, so that he can change, so that he can transform. But see, we want to fix ourselves before we come to God, and then we want to be good Christians. But as long as that culture remains, we, we can never be true disciples. Because then we're always pretending, we're always keeping people at a distance, but more than that, we're keeping God at a distance. Because he's the old man with his stick up there, you know. That's how I thought for many years. And that's why when you go and study what the scripture says in the last days, it says also, Jesus said it, it's going to be like the days of Noah. 
every man just a right unto himself. And so what do we do? We live more closed lives to protect ourselves, to be more secure. We build more fences. I said it last week, you know, but I read this quote somewhere. It's a good quote. It says, when God begins to bless you, invest in your, making your table bigger, not your fences taller. Open up your life. Invite people. Bring them in. You must come to my house. You'll see. <laughs> there are people all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I just go and hide in the little room there at the back and pretend I'm not there. <laughs> and it's not comfortable. But God has not called us to comf- comfortable living. Sure. Not too many amens. We control and manipulate our emotions, environment, future, life, relationships, because we fear true intimacy and vulnerability. We want to be independent, and therefore our idols become our comfort, and our comfort becomes our idols. Is it, am, am I speaking about odd stuff? I'm just speaking the truth. Because the challenge is God wants us to, to grow. He wants us to change. And the challenge is just for you and me to take one, one step more. I'm, I've been saying it for two years, but... Every person in church, just once a month, invite another two or three people in church to your home. Don't be afraid. Just give them food. Don't be super spiritual. Just give them food. <laughs> huh? Just open up your life and see how their lives are going to change. See how much you can actually give. Because I think most Christians have got no idea how much you actually have to give. Older people in the church, there's lots of older people. On a Sunday evening, there's... 800 students sitting in this hall. And all they're looking for is a mom and a dad that will just say, hey, you're going to be okay. You're all right. You're going to make it. You don't need to swing from the chandeliers and do the hula hoop five times and drink tea with the angels six times in the morning and then you're very spiritual. Hey? The devil lies to us. To say you must have read through the Bible 30 times and you must know all the theological stuff because, you know, you must be so afraid of all these cessationists and all the other stuff. And we must know that stuff. But that doesn't define our relationships. The truth is ultimately in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So what pleases God? Just quickly. Now I'm starting with a sermon where I tried to lift on last week. (laughs) Okay, firstly, I hunger for God. Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The more you grow hungry, the more you get filled by God, the more you'll grow hungry to be filled more because you're never going to end. You're going to just keep on growing. I always make this joke or sometimes make this joke and say, but in heaven, hallelujah, no flies in heaven. I mean, because we're going to stand there like, Wow. I I think that's the word that's going to be used most next to the name of Jesus in heaven. Wow. 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 No self-storage containers in this place. Look at that mansion. Um, Stephen Lungu is coming in a couple of weeks. his, His wife died and she saw a vision of heaven. And for 24 hours, that's all she said. Wow. She was in a semi-coma. They had to eventually tie her hands to the hospital bed because every time she said, wow, she would want to close her face. And then she pulled out all the stuff out of, out of her body. So they tied her hands to the hospital bed because she just said, wow. 
Wow. She didn't say a lot because there's too many people that want to write books of heaven or hell or 30 minutes in hell and 50 minutes in this and 60 minutes with the angels. And they all have different versions. But um, the one thing I remember she did say, she said she saw colors in heaven that doesn't exist on earth. She saw stuff there that just like, she said, it's, it's really not boring. And for millions of years, it's not going to be boring in heaven. You're not going to stand there with our soup bowls in the morning and say, oh, number three, your turn. Go to the front. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's dish up some food. Okay, there's a little bit of scraps for you and a little bit of scraps for you. And, and oh, no, you were the big sinner. That, that white head clan. Oh, no, 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 no. The surname just doesn't fit, you know, completely. So you in that line, at the back of the line, there's going to be no lines in heaven. I mean, there's going to be a rank in heaven. Apostles and martyrs and some people going to sit in front. Some of the pastors that had mics here that stood in front, they're going to be at the back. Too much attention. Stolen too much of God's glory. But I want to be in front. And I'm practicing my wow. Every day, wow. Just say it, wow. Say it, say it, say it, wow. But say it like from here, wow. It, it just makes you feel good, doesn't it? Like, like wow. Okay, so, so if, if, if you get that next plate of food, say, wow, you know? Don't just say like, oh, vegetables. <laughs> yeah. But why do you lose your hunger? Why do I lose my hunger? Because we allow the cares of this world and the insecurities and the stuff to come and weigh us down. The discouragements. The stuff. And let me say this, if you, there are a couple of people from other countries here. But let me say this, especially to South Africans. We really struggle to celebrate. We really struggle to honor. We really struggle to give credit because we're very suspicious and we mistrust easily. Any, any government, any institutions, you know, if, if you think of something like the police, oh, they're corrupt. Everyone in the police is corrupt. No, no, no. It's not like that. There are amazing godly Christians in the police service that are not corrupt. Some of them, some of the captains are here with us in church. There's a, there's a lot of people. As one guy said this week, there are three groups. Those who always speak negatively in South Africa, they want to leave. Those who speak negatively and they leave, but hallelujah, at least they're doing something about their negativity. And then there are those who want to fix the country and has hope. Stick with him. <laughs> but see, we lose our hunger because we become critical. Because we had bad experiences. We stopped praying for people for, to be healed because, hey, that one didn't work and that one died. And so now I form my doctrine around my experience and not around Scripture. Never form your doctrine around your experience. Form it around what God says. So we form churches around doctrines instead of around Jesus. Whoa. I had an interesting conversation with this guy, and it was actually a conversation that come, it's been coming for three years with some people about women in ministry and all of that stuff. Now, I don't know the answer. 
But all I know is God is moving in Iran and 90% of the pastors in Iran and the biggest revival in the world is women preachers and women pastors in Iran. So if I now make a judgment of, oh, this is my big doctrine that I'm going to hand on and I'm going to do this or not do that, then do you know what? I'm judging the whole church in Iran. Be careful how you judge. I'm not talking about the Apostles' Creed, the main stuff we believe. Jesus died. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus resurrected. We will never compromise on those things. But we're going to differ about certain stuff that we believe. And so, hey, are you still following Jesus? What is the fruit of your life? Are you more hungry for him? Are you, are you more thirsty for him? Because if there's somebody in that church that are hungry for him, hey, go for it. Follow Jesus. Those who are not for us, or against us. But sometimes we get so critical. We get so negative. Because we like to find security then in our doctrines and not in a person. Second thing is faith. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. With that hunger comes a faith. Say, Lord, what are you saying? What, what can I step out for? What can I trust you for? And faith will take you out of your comfort zone. Faith will will give this satisfaction in your life. You know, I was, I was talking to this one guy, and he was in a small group. It was Western Province Rugby Institute. We had a small group. And he's gone to Cape Town there where Ruben is now. And, and he was just talking to me about what that six months meant to him while he was here. He's a, he's a solid Christian, and he's captain of the UCT Varsity Cup, and he's now in the Stormers squad and all of that stuff. And we spoke about some of the stuff, and I said to him, you know, there's a guy here who was the head boy here of, of Paul Ruiz, Ben Jason. Some of you know him, this tall guy. When he was grade 10, his small, lead, his small group leader said, this guy is going to play first team rugby, and this guy is going to be the head boy of Paul Ruiz. I looked at him, and I thought, like, this skinny, grade 10-year-old, there is no way. Herbie, he's a, te- Herbie's a teacher, yeah, you know. You, 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 you were here when Ben Jason was here, eh? And this guy saw in Ben Jason something, and then we started to pray. You know, we just said, Lord, let it be. We didn't tell anything to Ben Jason. But it's so amazing the day when he was called to be a head boy, and he stood up there. And his whole small group was standing there at the back. I was there as well. I was invited as I was there. Yeah, you know. And then, then when, we, when he played for Craven Week, it was still when, with, with a rugby, when Western Province had like eight um, SA schools people. We all drove up to Natal. We planned our holiday around being there when Ben Jason is going to play SA schools, because that's what God said, and we're going to put out our faith. Because suddenly now it's not like, hey, let's check out if he makes it or not. This is a community thing. This small group, it's like we're playing for the SA schools. We're going to make it. You know, and, and he sent a photo when he made SA schools yeah, of his bed with all the, all the stuff, you know, all the jackets and all of that stuff and our first small group he hasn't even come back we took the photo and then we claimed stuff where's Bungie? he's sitting he was in that small group oh that's mine i still have that beanie i said that's mine that's mine oh yeah no you can take that's too big for me i'm not as tall as him i'm gonna look like i wear pajamas all day you know but see suddenly faith isn't an individual thing because i'm going to begin to trust that chris's business will prosper. Because if he wins, I win. 
Hello? Our individualistic thing says, no, 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 no. I'm going to check you out, and I'm going to get jealous when you win. There must be something wrong. You must be a crook. You must be, you must be corrupt. Something, something, something when oh, God really has favorites. He doesn't favor me. But that's so, so bad about our culture. Because we can't rejoice with other people's breakthroughs. Because of insecurity, trust, fear, comfort. Are, are you with me? It's very, I'm speaking very hard stuff today, but let's read, go on. Humility, the third one. You, Psalm 149. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. This, for me, is one of my favorite scripture. How, Lord, can you take pleasure in me? But he does. Kumi, 82 years old, eh? 81. God takes pleasure in you. When you're sitting there in Fergenucht, and you're praying, now there's a, a, a Kumi and Tanimori. They live opposite me, and I live there in Ini Park. But they're the prayer warriors. I cannot sin because I've got two ladies watching over my house and praying. Tanimori is 92. 93. Time flies when you're having fun, okay? <laughs> but they don't miss the service. You must come and check, you know. Sunday morning, they're here. Sunday evening, they're here. Tanimori always sits there at the back. 93. Still more excited about God than ever before. To go to the average person in church, oh, no, 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 twice, going to church twice a day on a Sunday, whoa, that's too much for me. <laughs> so, humility is I want to grow. Humility and teachability goes together. So I've never arrived. But it comes from a place of boldness before God because I know God takes pleasure in those who are humble. Those who say, hey, I haven't made it. I haven't got it together. We're not the perfect church, but we love Jesus. All our doctrines isn't perfect, but we love Jesus. This Reynard Bunker that died, he said to his wife, you put nothing on my gravestone except three things, three words. No dates, no nothing. All I want you to put on my gravestone is, he preached Jesus. So, may that be the motto of your life. He lived Jesus. She loved Jesus. Whew. Don't you know when say, amen, amen, amen. Okay. Last one, and we're going to get around to this door. Obedience. If I love God, I become obedient. If I love Him, I do as He says. And that takes me out of my comfort zone. That takes me out of this place where it's just about me. Where my greatest reward comes to serve Him, to know Him, but then to become obedient to what He says. To sometimes realize, hey, God is going to say no, and He's not going to give you an answer or a reason. No, oh Lord, I want to throw a tantrum now. I'm, I'm a teenager. I want to throw, you know. <laughs> God is just silent. He says, grow up. There is a kingdom. 
And so when you and I become and we begin to pray, not just for ourselves, but pray one prayer, say, Lord, show me what's on your heart. Just before you go out tomorrow to work, show me what's on your heart. His answer will most of the time not be around doctrine, but around people that's on his heart. God's doctrine is quite good. Did you know that? <laughs> it's 100% intact. <laughs> God is perfect. <laughs> so most of the time, there's not going to be doctrine on his heart. There's going to be people on his heart. And you have this opportunity to go and serve, to go and bless, to begin to notice, to begin to love. And we all struggle with that because we are insecure. And we want to grab hold of the cookies because I want to get as much as I can. Because maybe there's not going to be tomorrow. Don't tell anybody, but the kids are going to eat this next week. No, no. But, oh, chocolate chip. That's my favorite, you know. Anybody for a chocolate chip cookie? <laughs> okay, that one is gone. Thirty seconds rule. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to know See, they're the only three ones that asked. No, 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 not the old char. I said, I asked chocolate chip. You can any give Kau, will you any key? Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's not only that long solicit. Okay? Okay, no cookie means me. Okay. But it's crazy. Hey. Just grab all. And then God says, be generous. Give out your mitchum. And I thought, I got it. And it was for free. And God says, be generous. Learn to live in that space where you become a blessing to others. Because you've got so much to give. But see, that's the problem with the Jews, and it's always been the problem. It's like, hey, God bless me. God bless me. And when I'm blessed enough, then I'll become a blessing. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.